Welcome to the latest episode of VM Insider. I'm your new host, Crystal Higgins. On this episode, I speak with Raphael Kassin, where we look back at 2021, and then we discuss what he feels investors should be looking out for in 2022. How are you, Raphael? Hi, Crystal. Welcome aboard. How, thank you very much. How are you doing? How is all in, in uh, your side of the world right now? Yeah, Brazil is, uh, is fairly quiet, uh, summertime, and, uh, and of course, you know, we'll have a very busy year next year because of elections. Uh, so it's it's, it's going to be quite quite a quite a year next or this year. I definitely want to go into that a little bit later. Um, typically, I think with, with this we would keep it quite current, and and that will definitely be you know the normal format. But I think considering that it's January, could do you want to kick off with taking a, a retrospective look at you know EM performances in twenty twenty one, the winners, the losers, and 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 then what you see um, maybe continuing into into twenty twenty two. Yeah, well, we had a very interesting year um, in terms of indices, right, at the sub-components uh, of the asset class. Um, last year, the hard currency sovereign segment, MB Global, was down 1.5%, 1.51%. The corporate side was not too far away, 0.87%. And I, I always like to say that you know corporate performance is a little bit questionable because you can't really price all of these bonds every day. Uh, so when, when you have a number that's so close, it's fairly close. Um, local currency surprised me. Uh, the MB, the uh, GBIEM uh, actually was down only 0.35% on the year, which, which to me was, it was a surprise. You know, we had a lot of ugly stories on the currency side. Uh, and this why did that surprise you what 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 was what was surprising well, because about that to me the local currency sub segment is has never really been that interesting we have dollar strength uh and to me you know that already excludes a lot of countries but um also we had a lot of volatility in a lot of the local currencies i mean turkey you know we had a day in which i saw the turkish leader go roughly from 8 if if i'm right to to 15 uh, you know, in, in, in mm. basically, you know, in a stretch, um, and that—I uh, mean—that's now it's at thirteen and a half. So it gives you an idea that we we really haven't come out of the hole there. But I think the local currency side of things, yeah, it's 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 not that exciting for me. You know, I find that that the risk reward is not that good. Um, but if you look at this year's performance. Local currency is basically flat. You know, it's down seven basis points in the year. Corporates are down 1.9. And the MV Global, which is the hard currency sovereign, surprisingly is down 2.9%. But there is a reason for that. I mean, the MV Global is heavily sovereign. uh, And because of that, it's heavily linked to U.S. Treasuries. Right? So we've had a huge drop in U.S. Treasuries and in the performance that, that dominates uh, and sure. and so well, this is the beginning of the year. I think we're gonna have. Do you know what? On that, on that, can I just for very country specific? If you're looking back at 2021, what stands out to you as these were these were these countries were, you know, when we look at the top performers, what what were the winners and what were the losers, and 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 were you surprised by any of those performances and, and outcomes? Well, I think you know, obviously Lebanon comes to mind uh, because we had a default there. Um, El Salvador, uh, you know, the president came up with the idea of coming up with a Bitcoin link, and uh, yes. I, that 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 was horribly accepted by the market. 
Ghana was another interesting uh, story because investors all of a sudden panicked as the the fiscal deficit uh, ballooned over 10%. Uh, and people always worried about that, worry about that. Uh, and I and I think that sometimes you know that was a little bit unjustified, uh, but that's that's got to do with the nature of investors these days. They they shoot first, they ask questions later, and most of the time they're actually not really that uh, accurate. Uh, but they they create big moves in markets. Um, Argentina, obviously, we we couldn't we couldn't you know uh, get away without mentioning Argentina, right? Um, and the Argentinians again, uh, you know, the on the index, the bonds were down 15%, which is not much considering that they're trading in the 30 range. Um, but uh, but they just haven't gone anywhere. Uh, they haven't accepted that their economic model, I mean, the Kirchner and the and Fernandez, uh, or the other way around, uh, they just haven't realized that that it's just not working, and that you know, maybe Macri didn't create a. Um, a miracle, but they're not creating one either. So they're actually digging further down the hole. Um, so, so that's the story in RG. And of course, Venezuela was, you know, continued to go down. Uh, there's just no liquidity because people are not, they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, so I would say, actually, those are mostly all negative stories. And there were sure. there were very few positive. Some good news. <laughs> yeah, very little. Very few. As I'm looking at the country performance, I mean, I I, I see Bolivia with three percent. Okay, Ecuador was a good story. Uh, the Ecuadorians came up with a restructuring that was intelligent, was market friendly, and that was good. You know that that really did something for uh, investors. And and Ecuador still today, it's got support of the IMF. Uh, on its plan, and and they're getting their house in order. A lot of people uh, bet that Lasso, the president, would not be able to implement much, uh, given that he had a split government. But at the end of the year, he actually did okay. Uh, and and this year they they've been performing nicely. So yeah, you know that's a that's a good story. Hmm. Do you know what some analysts are saying um, that? You know, as, as aside from 2022 being quite a good year for EM markets, um, I want I want to get pick your brain about South Africa's bonds. You know, um, I think they were seen to be a bit of a, a global pace setter, uh, with around total returns of eight eight point seven, I think. Um, what what's your view on South Africa generally? You know, looking forward in the in the year ahead, should investors be should be keeping an eye on this one? Uh, well, look. The, before I do that, I have to I have to tell you I forgot one country, Zambia. Uh, Zambia oh. Zambia last year had a fantastic uh, year, Zambian bonds, uh, and but they're not performing right. They defaulted and they've been struggling, and I think the 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 obstacle they have this year is to actually come through with a restructuring. Now, they've, they have a new president. It's not the incumbent, uh, so that's good. Uh, they had elections. But they've got to come up with something. And I think the market is pricing in a lot more uh, in terms of uh, upside than, than is really out there. I mean, and there's still a question, are they going to restructure this year, right? So now, sure. let me go back to your, uh, to your question. Where do I see South Africa? Well, I see them in the same category as Brazil, Dominican Republic, uh, maybe Ivory Coast, but they're bigger. 
right? Uh, Brazil's got going to have elections this year. So you've got to think that there, there's got to be volatility, and the election cycle will really begin towards the middle of the year. Um, Dominican Republic has been doing all the right things. Uh, and, and so that leaves South Africa and Dominican Republic to beat Brazil, if you want to say that, you know. And I think you're right. I think, sure. I think you know, South Africa is cheap. Um, we've got a position in it. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we're, we like that. Perfect. And I suppose no uh, EM 2021 roundup could go ahead without mentioning China. Now, I know China's security has gained around 5% in 2021. Um, what's your view on China looking ahead? I mean, you know, for those touting Chinese sovereign bonds are the, the place to be for debt investors. Well, I, w- I mean, is there a possibility that the rally could soon, could already be over? What, what, what do you well, think? What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, look, the, the, I, I, we, had a, we had a podcast uh, recently. And and that was when the Evergrande story was was beginning to erupt, uh-huh. uh, and and my mm. comment was that we we as investors needed clarity on what was going to happen in China. You know, is was Evergrande going to be saved by by the government? And and to be honest, that has not yet materialized a hundred percent. Um, they're now talking about restructuring. No, nobody knows how they came up with the money to pay some of the coupon payments they had to make. Um, there are other uh, companies in the construction area that haven't, you know, that also are in trouble. Uh, but I think the sovereign as a whole is as as you know as as solid as as it can be. Um, so going back to hard currency bonds, it's going to be a slave to, to U.S. treasuries because they are quite linked to them. Uh, in local currency, if they cut rates, if they continue to cut, in, to cut rates, uh, that's, that's a market that still has a little bit of you know, somewhat legs to go. You have to worry about the currency. If you manage the currency right, uh, it's, it's a market that we, we find attractive. Sure. Do you know what? And on the on the on the Fed, um, I wanted to ask your opinion. So, the market volatility that we're seeing, do you think this is a knock-on effect of the Fed's vague kind of language? Is is that setting setting off market volatility? And how how do you see that panning out? Yeah, spot on. Uh, we we're gonna have to hire you uh, to work with us <laughs> uh, because you're getting all the right the right calls. Uh, that's that's a hundred percent. You know, when people look at emerging debt. They look at it as a risk asset class, right? So if you see equities going down, emerging debt usually doesn't do that well. Uh, and when you see treasuries with uncertainty, and that was the story early on with the Fed uh, in the initial stages. And to be fair, I think the Fed uh, probably, I mean, I'd say Powell probably didn't want to rattle things uh, because it wasn't sure if inflation was going to be taking longer, uh, you know, whether it was just transitory. And, to, and I believe it's going to soon normalize. I think, you know, what we're seeing is, are the effects of, uh, of the pandemic. I mean, I, I had to wait for two months to get a bike in London, uh, because, and, and I was told I could get two bikes uh, in the shop, and that was it uh, last year. <laughs> Wow. Because everybody had a lot of money, and so everybody was just buying everything. Uh, 
now eventually we're going to get to something we the only the only concern that i have here vis-a-vis inflation by the way the fed has changed personality completely from you know jekyll to hyde Mm -hmm. or the other way around and uh and now the fed is 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 active and vigilant right hawkish as some people like to say um sure which which is what the Fed is supposed to do. I mean, even if the Fed doesn't hike, it's supposed to say that it wants to hike. So that's what Powell has just done a couple of days ago and markets crashed. Um, but that's good because as, as long as it's seen as looking to, to be vigilant, uh, you can see that the curve has gone flat, the U.S. Treasury curve, um, meaning you know, the, the, the short end has uh, gone up because people expect the, the, the Fed to... Um, uh, to hike, right? Uh, and now people are thinking, okay, well, what's next? So we're going to have a Goldilocks scenario where the Fed does all the hiking and we go to stability again. And that is fantastic for EM debt. Now, you mentioned, you know, some analysts. There are some guys at, uh, at JP Morgan who, who came up with really good research. I mean, all the others have done that. So I shouldn't focus on one only. Uh, but I've seen some really good research uh, that shows that there, have, there hasn't been a period uh, in which EM debt uh, has had a negative 12 months. And then there's a sub, uh, the subsequent period uh, of 12 months is negative. So... You know, we're still up to see whether that develops, right? We've got we've got one month and we, we're negative again. I mean, in fact, this year, EM debt is down more than last year already in a month. But I think that that could be a good thing because, as you said, people have priced in all the Fed hikes and now we're, we're looking for any improvement. And on, on that vein, um, when we look at yields, say... Um, in, in your mind, are we are we moving towards more um, a point where yields might converge? You know, when, when you look at the, the system of everything that's happening now and, 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 and on that, where 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 are you where are your focus is going if that scenario happens? Is that happening? Is it unfolding? And, and, and where, where, where are you looking at if it does? Well, OK, if I had to make a prediction and I like to make predictions in the beginning of the year, it's always nice. Go for it. First, the first one of 2022. Go. Yeah, I mean, it's uh... a. <laughs> They don't always go right. I mean, to to put into perspective, last year I predicted the MB Global would be, be uh, would have a performance between zero and half a percent. Uh, sorry, and five percent. I usually like to give myself a five point range, and I failed. Uh, but I didn't fail that horribly, and it was down one and one and a half. So I was pretty close to the lower end of the range. Um, this year, we'll give you that. That's not a failure. Well, yeah. I mean, it's. It could have been better, but there were some elements. But this year, um, I think we do have the potential to end the year with a 10% return. I mean, the spreads on the MB Global are nearing 400 basis points now. Uh, MB Global diversified, sorry, which is you know what most most uh, uh, institutional investors are looking at uh, these days. So it's easily possible that we go to 300 by the end of the year if things normalize. You know, everything is generally priced in and we're nearly 400. That's okay. Well, that is an 8% return on the year. Uh, plus, you've got the coupon. So, in theory, we could have a couple of Fed hikes, which, you know, we're having five Fed hikes priced in already. Um, what happens if inflation is transitory, right? And the Fed doesn't hike one of those. 
what happens in inflation if the economy starts to stall. So I think, okay, um, we could have a 10% return easily. Um, I guess if I had to, to, to pick a number, I would say, yeah, anywhere between 8 and and 13, you know, within my five-point range. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm going to put a difficult task at your door, but I think that you're up for the challenge. Um, you know, last year was quite a big year in many respects, but I'm going to ask you to pick what you felt were, say, the two to three biggest stories in EM last year and and also just kind of give it give it just give it the the significance the the broader significance of those stories for you well i like the okay this is really interesting okay uh and and i think i already talked about a couple of them right i talked about el salvador with this crypto story um lebanon default and all that the the one story that i think was interesting was that in chile and peru we had presidents who were quite left-oriented uh, who ended up in power, uh, and they are bringing some uncertainty to, to markets, right? And we may see that again this year. We have elections in Colombia. Uh, so I think it's important to follow that. We also have elections in Brazil. The Colombian story is still unclear, and, and so is the Brazilian story. So I would say we have to watch that for this year. But these, this is something that was a little complex. Now, you know, apart from Argentina and Sri Lanka, you know, not, uh, you know, one, you know, not sure whether it was going to um, make coupon payments. Uh, but uh, Belize did something interesting last year. They they came up with a restructuring uh, that was eco friendly, and and I think that that was that was unique. Uh, so I would say that 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 deserves to be up there, you know, in the podium as one of the positive stories. Um, and I would also say I would highlight something that I've noticed in markets last year, and I still see it this year. I mean, remember I've been in the market for a while. And in my old days, in 98, uh, I remember calling banks and, and being told that traders were having a coffee, having a sandwich, pregnant, all, you know, having babies, you know, uh, all kinds of, you know, had a nervous breakdown. But Maybe both? Yes. <laughs> Go on. Uh, and, I mean, basically, I, would, I, I, I could see when somebody didn't want to trade, right? Um, and I'm seeing that this year again. And I think that that's because of the nature of investors, there's a lot of uh, concern about compliance. So I guess the big question is: Would you be a holder of Ghana and Egypt when everybody out there is saying negative things about the country, right? And they are not always totally correct. I mean, you could talk about Ukraine too, right? the media, right? Uh, but but that, for example, created moves in the Ghanaian and Egyptian dollar curves of 30 points at some points. Uh, in time so and and what happens I mean you have no liquidity traders don't want to put their uh, neck on the line uh, and investors just sure. bail out I think this is an interesting development that, that I've noticed uh, in markets this year so if I had to take a picture you know 10 years ago and now I would say that 10 years ago traders were savvy uh, but this year uh, not only traders are savvy but Investors are scared. Um, they're they're sure. scared that the compliance guy will come and touch them on the shoulder. And I think that that if you look at it, and I, I like that because you know I like to look at the the league table if you want to call it that, right? Uh, 
we are lucky. I mean, our fund has just been launched. Sorry, just two seconds marketing. Um, you know, we, we're number one uh, or number two. Uh, there are about 15 funds and then all negative uh, in performance year to date. And then you've got the index and then you've got another 20 funds. But what I think what's interesting, everybody's losing money, right? And so everybody is scared and on on the buy side and i think that's that's something that's got to change a bit people have to take more risk uh so we'll see how this year develops but i think this is the big story for me you know and before i we're now we are i i feel like we couldn't have this conversation without speaking about the russia ukraine situation but just before we we go into that right. um 2022 brazil elections we have uh Bolsonaro, which I think is fair to say, is somewhat beleaguered at the minute in the polls. Um, what's your predictions for how the 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 the, the elections are going to impact the market? What what what's your? Do you think we got trouble ahead? Well, I think people will probably try to stay a little sidelined. Um, I, I'm not worried. Uh, we are not worried about uh, any any, let's say, uh, financial risk, right? Uh, but but people will start to mobilize either positively or negatively at some point. And I think that that's going to be when it starts to get more clear who is going to actually be running. Right? At the moment, they've been ha- so far they've been having uh, polls that show Lula far ahead uh, and Bolsonaro far behind. Uh, but that gap's been closing in. And Moro who was the guy who created all the car wash investigations. Uh, he's he's mm-hmm. far back, but we're not quite sure what will happen. I mean, at, at this point, we are in January, right, February. Um, things will start heating up as we get closer to the middle of the year. Now, remember, there's always that saying that it's the economy, right? And and it could be that, that towards May, June... Uh, the ratings for Bolsonaro started looking better uh, because of the economy, right? And so what? I think it's very difficult to make a call here. You know, I know that investors have rallied previously around, now please please correct my pronunciation, Paulo Guides, the, the economy yes. minister. Do you, think, do you think people could lose faith in him? Well, I... Do you think, do you think we, could, we could, that could happen? I have to tell you, I mean, I have already lost faith in in any kind of miraculous uh, story on the financial side mm-hmm. uh, but I, I I don't know if I would attribute that to his ability um, I would say that that's got to do with the gridlocking of the political system so it's very difficult for a finance minister to get the right policies implemented now Arminio Fraga was very good at that right he came in he rolled his his sleeves and and he just did what he had to do, but now we're we're working in a very difficult world where politicians are, you know, they're they're less willing to to allow uh, finance ministers to do whatever they want. Um, sure. But but one thing to be fair is that Brazil's got quite a lot in foreign currency reserves. Uh, the central bank has been dealing with inflation proactively, uh, so I think the the, the question is. Well, I think that's an interesting question. If Bolsonaro gets reelected, uh, I wonder who will be his finance minister. Um, and and I've even uh, uh, had a conspiracy theory at one point 
that in the run-up to the elections, uh, he might change the finance minister because he might want to appear more uh, towards the center. Um, that's a game that we can always see, and I, I can't guess the political games, uh, but, but anything can happen. But I would say, you know, I, I would almost say, you know, uh, uh, let's talk about, uh, talk about it again in May, uh, because that's when it will start to become more clear. Anything can happen. What is your view on, let's say, worst case scenario? What is the impact on the wider market if there is a full invasion in your mind? Uh, obviously, look, if we have a full invasion, it could be quite complicated. Yeah, I mean, the worst case would be quite complex. And we'll put Russia in a difficult position because even though they could conceivably live with it financially, um, you know, their people would be very uncomfortable with not being able to move money, to travel to places. Mm. And, you know, obviously that could potentially bring support to people like Navalny. And, and I don't think that that's a story. I mean, I have a little, a little cheat sheet on the situation, you know, and, and I thought I'd share that with you. Ah, yeah, I like it. But on that, on that, when you're saying about moving money around, you know, the alter, the funny thing is, is you were saying about it would prevent people from spending money, you know, ultimately, you know, the ultra rich, but possibly including Putin himself. Yeah, I think he, <laughs> which I find very interesting. I, I find it too. But to be honest, I think that that would be uh, that would be the least efficient uh, approach uh, because he probably doesn't have anything in his name. Uh, and he he can go on vacation wherever he wants, right? So he doesn't really have. What what do you believe? Okay, the broader ramifications for of a potential invasion. Will okay, be? first not to put you on. The first spot. of all, I think we need to do a psychological evaluation. That's going to be short, right? What is the intent mm -hmm. of of all these troops out there and this this supposed belligerent approach? It's unknown. Nobody really knows, right? Um, sure. Is there a reason for this? I mean. Maybe they're trying to create tension in energy markets, capitalize on it. They do export, you know, gas and oil and metals. Potentially rewrite, potentially rewrite the, the rules from the 90s. It, it could be. Uh, OK, maybe they are trying to. Yeah, but but that's the obvious uh, statement, right? That Lavrov has come up with his plans. And I, I, I guess, you know, that's it. Let's say it would be naive for the Russians to believe that anybody would take their their um, ultimatum, right? So I think that mm -hmm. I think that there are reasons behind it. I don't think that they're stupid. I think energy has to do with it. I think it might have been a test of Biden, uh, but it also may have a lot to do with Nord Stream Two. And this is funny. Every every time I talk to analysts, uh, they try to sideline the Nord Stream Two Two story, but um, I think that there's a reason why this may be happening. What like knock-on effect is this situation going to have for in 2022? And, and bearing that in mind, where should investors be looking ahead now? Well, okay. My opinion, this is going to be diffused quite quickly. Uh, Lavrov has already mentioned that he's kind of understanding the U.S. position. Uh, I think that the Russians will... Uh, have some involvement in the Donbass region. Uh, they will find a way to to get that officially. Maybe they're going to beg for Russian citizenship. Um, 
if they really wanted to end things, they would go to Belarusia and they would invade Kiev, right? Which is right abroad, across you know, 100 miles or so. So if they haven't done that, if they haven't threatened to do that, even though they kind of mentioned at one point exercises, um, I think that that's, it's not going to... I think we'll go back to normality at some point. Uh, but the big effect of that has been that energy prices have gone up, right? And I, un, until we get to a situation where it's flowing again and maybe even Nord Stream 2 gets approved, uh, I think it, you know, we'll have some uncertainty. That's, that's what I think we will inherit from that. But, but that's it, really. Hopefully I'm right. Yes, fair, fair. Another, another, another bold prediction. And speaking of predictions, I think before I let uh, let you go, um, before we finish up, I want to pick your brain. So twenty twenty two, and not to be a harbinger of doom, but twenty twenty two trouble ahead. And what should investors be thinking? What should they be doing? What should they be looking at? What should they be watching out for? Well, I, I think it might turn out to be a much more pleasant year than most people expected. Uh, even though we've had a, a difficult start. Uh, we're going to have Lebanon, Venezuela, and Zambia in the restructuring uh, table, right? And that, that always brings opportunity, though I, I think Veni will take a little bit longer. Um, I think Sri Lanka remains a question whether they will continue to, to pay their coupons. You know, that's that's always in the news. Um now, we've had something last night, which was quite interesting. A new president, uh, a woman in, in uh, Honduras, was just elected, has come out and said she's thinking about restructuring the debt. So what we need to do this year is we need to be very careful about mm. the countries we pick. What would that look what would that look what would that look like? It's what, 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 how do you see that one Honduras is, is not very meaningful in the index. It's less than a quarter of a point you know, percentage uh, point. But but that brings obviously negative headlines. Um, but remember, with negative headlines, you know, and and restructurings, there's there's opportunity, especially for you know small countries. So, I think I think the big stories this year this year will be the Brazilian Colombian elections, uh, these restructuring points, and and of course, and let's not forget how this Russia Ukraine story unfolds. Uh, there is one more, but that's that's a you know I have a friend who likes to say it you know investing there is like dead money. Um, it's like Argentina, you know, if they don't make a deal with the IMF, if they don't get off their their pigeonhole, uh, God knows where that's going. So we have a few negative stories, but at the same time, we have a lot of positive stories like Ecuador, uh, South Africa. So so it, it could be a year where we started negative because of the Treasury scare. Uh, and like many years, we could we could churn out a pretty decent positive return by year's end. We'll see now. Sure. And do you know what? I think that's a very suitable note to leave things on. Thank you so much for your time. Raphael Kassin, I will talk to you very soon. Yeah. Thank Crystal, you. thanks very much again. Uh, it's always nice to be here and welcome aboard. And you've done a great job. Thank you.